All right, Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to look at this first message here from the book of Ruth, and we're going to look at how Ruth is processing unforeseen loss that she encounters here in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, we'll read the first, these 22 verses of the chapter, so uh, do your best to gather in what you're reading, and we'll, we'll go back and we'll try to paint the picture a little clearer and walk through it again, and then we'll try to uh, pull out the particular things that were being taught um, from her life here in this first chapter, okay? The book of Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Mahlon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Kilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that, you may, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say, I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people, and unto her gods, return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee 
or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part me, part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. We'll stop right there. Let's pray together. Lord, we just we do ask you to, to teach us your word tonight. We, we believe the scripture is your word, that it was written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of these scriptures, might also have hope in the experience that they have with you, and with the goodness that they experience with you, Lord, we, have, we want to have that same hope tonight as we examine these lives uh, in the book of Ruth. Help me, Lord, to have wisdom, your wisdom, in teaching it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's talk about you know, the book of Ruth. Let's talk about the, kind of the context of it. What in the world did we just read? How long ago was this? When was this? So uh, go ahead and, you can go ahead and uh, pull up a map there, Iden. And so what we have here is the children of Israel, of course, are primarily, uh, here's, here's, this is a small snippet of the land of Israel. Up here, is, this is the lower area of Judah and Benjamin, and uh, all north is pretty much the rest of the, 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 the nation of Israel. Of course, there's a few tribes on the east side of Jordan. And the, the, the book of Ruth takes place, uh, some of it, just briefly, here in Moab. And then back in Jerusalem. We'll talk about that in a minute. So it's right there. There's, they're going between two countries here. Now, it says in the Bible, we just read, what's the time? Of, what was the time of this? What is it? The, the time of the judges. Was that a good time or bad time? Bad. bad time most of the time, right? A few times you had a pretty good leader. He's doing good. And then they're like, yeah, they forsake the Lord again. Primarily, every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. They had no king. They had nobody saying, all right, this is what we're going to do, and this is right. Let's go. They had these judges that were okay, some of them, and then some of them were bad. And so, um, so it was the time of the judges. And by and large, in the time of the judges, God kept punishing the Israelites because they were forsaking him. They were going to, you know, idolatry, etc. cetera. Uh, this may have been right before Gideon. Gideon brought them back for a while. They had a, a little bit of a uh, return, a little bit of a revival for a while. This may have been about that time. Now, the Bible says right in your first verse, it says, It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Why do you think there'd be a famine in the land? In Israel. That's right. 
Now, not, that doesn't mean every famine everywhere that ever occurs is a punishment from God. I can't always interpret that. But I know what God said to his people about his land. It's clear in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. He says, if you forsake me, this is what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll shut the heavens right up. But if you follow me, it's just going to be bounty. I mean, that, that is the promises contained to that land. I, I can't speak for every other country. But I know this one, yep, that's a, that's a result of their disobedience with God. So there's a famine in the land. And, um, and so now you have, um, there was, we're introduced to this man, a man named, a man from Bethlehem, Judah. That's a good city. This is where David's from, Bethlehem, uh, in Judah. Jesus would be born there. Is a good man from a good tribe, it seems like. Um, and he, the Bible says, sojourned in the country of Moab. That means he temporarily wanted to inhabit another country because of the famine. And so he leaves. It's probably, I don't know, 60 to 100 miles going from here all the way to here to go into this country. And at this point, people start drawing uh, moral conclusions about him one way or the other, about uh, Elimelech. And, and to be honest, I, I, I kind of sympathize with the guy. Uh, there's a lot of things that, well, he's running from God, and he's all this, and he's, he's not, uh, you know, he's, he's getting out of God's will and all this. And even Naomi interprets this, God's testified against me, and God's against me. And, 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 I, and the Bible doesn't tell us one way or another what is clear. I mean, he, maybe he's trying to feed his family. I mean, I don't know. Um, it's not bad to try to feed your family. And, um, but whatever the case, this man whose name means my God is king, that's what Elimelech, Elimelech means. The man whose very name means my God is king, in a sense, was humbling himself to go show up at this other country where they said, your God is king, then what's going on here? But he goes into this country, he takes his sons with him and his uh, wife, Naomi, and they sojourn there. So you have this move here. You have this uh, move into a new country. And... Um, and so, by the way, whenever you move somewhere, because I, I can't speak for the, I can't make a moral judgment on, on that decision that he made. I can't. But for you and for me, whenever you move, do it prayerfully and do it selflessly. Say, am I just moving for me? Am I just moving because I, you know, you know I'm just trying to get away from something merely? Or am I doing it? Am I doing this prayerfully? And am I doing this for the betterment of my immediate family? And, uh, and, and have some things that are not just about you when you make a decision to move. Here, he's moving, and his move is going to be tested. Because anytime you or I make a major move into a job or a major move into another school, major move to some other place of living, it will be tested. Your decision to move will be tested. So when you do it, just count on being tested. So before you do it, make sure you have hashed that thing out in prayer, forged it in prayer and fasting. That way, when you go and you're hard tested, you're like, I, I, it's already settled. I knew this was what God wanted us to do. Instead of going there and doubting, why did I do this? Okay, so that's a little side note for us about advice about moving. Go prayerfully, go selflessly, because it will be tested. So here they are, they move. In verse 2, it says, it tells the name of him. Elimelech, he means, the man's name is, my God is king. Uh, let's go to the next picture here, uh, Iden. And his wife's name is Naomi. Uh, Naomi means pleasant. And then he has two sons. Now, this is crazy. The name of his sons, and by the way, I don't know if they actually looked that young at the time. Um, could have been. But the name of his two sons, it says... Mahlon and Kylion. 
<sighs> Basically, what you said when you said their name was sick and sicker. I mean, the one kid's name means he's sick. The other kid's name means he keeps getting sicker. It's, they're going, what's going on? It, pining was one of them. Languishing was that second son's name. Languishing, the other one means unhealthy. You're going, whoa. I don't know why they were named that. Well, I can, I can kind of tell now, but because they died early. But, uh, but, you know, you name your kid, oh, sickly. I mean, you name them that? Whoa, I, I don't understand that. But that's their name, and one day I'll, I'll understand the Jewish mind a little better. And uh, yes, they do. They, did marry, they get married, and they died early. Maybe it's because one's name is sick, and the other's name is sicker. And so... But anyway, so this happens. So they're married. So, okay, so he sojourns in land. He's an Israelite, one of God's people. He's in a foreign land. He's in the land of the Moabites. By the way, the Moabites, if we went to back to that map real quick, Iden, the Moabites are actually related to Israel, but they weren't good. Uh, Moab and uh, Ammon, these two right here actually go back. They're brothers. And who's their dad? Lot. And who's Lot related to? Abraham's, nep- uh, Abraham's nephew. And Lot, bad story about Lot. You know, he made some bad decisions. And, and uh, when he was, his daughters made him, it was an ugly story. There was incest. These are Lot's sons by incest with his own two daughters. He was, they made him drunk and they lay with him. He didn't even know it either time. And each of his daughters were pregnant with his own children and Moab and Ammon became nations. Each of them became nations that became an agitation to Israel, their distant relatives. In fact, when Israel was in Egypt and they came out of Egypt and they're traveling around sojourning, they were going to do some kind of some bypassing here through Moab and some of the other ones hostile, hostile. Moab was hostile to the Israelites. Not only that, they hired a guy to try to curse them, Balaam. And so this was not, this was not a you know friendly place to go. I can't explain why he went there except to, he's hiding from the famine. Maybe he's trying to feed his own family. I, I don't, I'm not going to make a moral judgment on him at this point. I just know he's in a foreign country. And now we see, we see a move. Now we see a major set of losses. Verse 3 to 5, a major set of losses. You're going to have three widows here. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. Wow. She now becomes a widow. It's one thing for a woman to be married for a while, have her children, and then, you know, her husband dies and she's a widow. It's another thing for it to happen, and she's a widow in a foreign country without her normal friends, her normal customary uh, care group. And now she's a widow by herself. And on top of it, her two sons don't seem like they're in the best shape. Okay? Uh, maybe that, by the way, is another reason why he went to another country. Like, well, these guys can't handle eating dust for food. Uh, we need to get them something. I don't know. But anyways, she's a widow. There's no none of her regular care group around, and she's sad. I mean, it's hard being a widow in the most ideal circumstance. But it gets worse. Verse 4 says the other two die. But they took them wives first. The other two men took them women of uh, wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, my understanding, that means gazelle, for whatever it's worth. And the name of the other was Ruth, which means friendly, if I remember right. Um, And they dwelt there about 10 years. They dwelt there about 10 years. So what happened? You can go back to that picture. Uh, 
These two guys get older. They marry. They go back. They marry. Each of them gets their wife, Orpah, and then Ruth. And, um, and then these two guys die. I don't know how long they were married, but they die. Again, we could start saying, well, maybe God's punishing them because they married Moabitess. And you're not to do marry a foreigner unless there is a, de- a clear... It's like with Christians. You can marry any color, any race, any language, any smell you want of a human being, okay? But for it to be an equal, equal yoke, they need to have a very clear statement of faith and a testimony of faith. And you marry that person, no matter if it's a different color or language, it's good in God's book, all right? So in this case, we don't know if that was clear. Ruth makes it clear later, we're going to see. But we don't know. So they may have been violating God's word uh, by, by intermarrying of these uh, pagan groups. And so anyways, they marry. But what happens? They, they, they die. So they die. These two men, they die. And so now it says in verse 5, Mahalan and Kylian died, both, also both of them. And the woman was left. Now it's focusing on Naomi. She was left of her two sons and her husband. Oh, my goodness. I lose my husband and I lose my two sons. Ugh. Now I'm here with these Moabitess women. And this is different. And I'm in pain. And this is, un, this is what you might say. She's trying to process unexpected pain. Did you hear that? Everybody comes across at times in life where it's like, mm, an unexpected pain happens. Um, you know, if you're ever, you don't want to just be sitting there in your, in your car one day and you're driving and all of a sudden you feel a stabbing pain in your, in your side. Oh! What's going on? Well, maybe your appendix is going to burst or something. Nobody likes unexpected pain coming. This is an unexpected relational pain. An unexpected th- I mean, it's kind of expected that perhaps her husband would die at some point because he's older. But, uh, I mean, they weren't even grandparents yet, so maybe it even wasn't. It certainly wasn't expected that they would just these boys would die right away unless the sickliness was really manifesting itself. But here they are. She's in pain, the pain of widowhood. And she has two daughters-in-law who are also widows, young widows. So you have a major set of loss. By the way, unexpected loss happens. Things that are off script. See, we have a script for our life that we think is going to play out. Hey, wait a minute. That was off script. This was supposed to happen and this was supposed to happen. And sometimes God goes off your script. The major set of loss. Now there's a move back. Verses 6 to 18 describes this dialogue they have because they're planning to move back. Verse 6, she rose with her daughters-in-law that they might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. So here she is. She's a widow and she's going to go back. And she's like, I'm going back because I hear there's bread in the land that I came from. By the way, you know what the word Bethlehem means? Her hometown? House of bread. She left the house of bread city because there was no bread there. And it's again, God's punishing them. Now she goes back because there's bread, and hey, she's hungry. And she's looking for her comfort group, most likely. And she's bitter. Her name means, Naomi means pleasant. And she don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel like me anymore, she says. I don't feel like the same old me. You know, sometimes that happens with people in life. You, get, you start aging, you're like, I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not the sweet person I used to be. Men, most men, of course, I'm not as definitely strong as I used to be, you know. 
Or we just, things change with us. And sometimes it changes just because you're aging, but other times it changes because we haven't processed unexpected pain well. All right, and 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 I'm not I'm not I'm not diminishing that, but here she is. She's get she is getting bitter here. She's grieving. So she went forth, verse seven, out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return unto the land of Judah. So at first, the first plan is all right, ladies, let's go. They were all three planning to go back. They went forth to return. She stopped somewhere along the road. I don't know what's going on in her mind. I don't know if she's thinking, these girls got nothing going for them. Maybe it was on one hand, these girls got nothing going for them. And on the other hand, I'm going to Israel. They're not going to tolerate this. If they got right with God, you know, they're not going to tolerate this, having these Moabitists here. And it could have also been that she would go back embarrassed. Oh, you picked up some Moabite daughter-in-laws? I don't know what was going on through her mind, but she stops. And the language she expresses was more of, this is going to be a disbenefit to you. And so she dissuades them. She attempts to dissuade her daughters-in-law. There's nothing going for you, girls. His, her language, again, look at it here. She said, verse 8, that Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each to a mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. Girls, you ta- you've, you've done good to me. May God bless you now in your future husband's house. And then she says, The Lord grant you that you may find rest. She kissed them, and they start blubbering and crying. Verse 9, they lifted up their voice and wept. Ah, these women are crying and sad and everything. They're departing from each other. And they said, no, 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 we're going to go with you. Verse 10, we want to go, we want to go. And Naomi says, no, she digs in. She's like, look, girls, go back. Are you going to go with me? You think you're going to get a husband? What if I got married tonight and got pregnant? You're going to wait the years, you know? And then have another one. You're going to wait 20, 25 years for a husband? It's not going to happen, girls. Are you going to wait that long? No, ladies. Verse, look at verse 13. Would you tarry for them until they were grown? Would you stay, from having, stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters. It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. I'm no benefit to you. What she's saying. So this is a good test for these girls. These ladies are being tested now. We're trying to follow mom-in-law back to Israel where they say the Lord is there and the Lord's blessed his people again because it got right with, back, got right with them. And we're following mom-in-law. Now mom-in-law is saying, there's no benefit you coming back with me for our husbands go. She's telling her, these girls this. And they're hearing no benefit to us. We can't have a husband from you. Okay. So the, again, listen to what's happening here. Um, will you tarry? Look at verse 14. They start crying again. They lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah, here's the other one, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. So here's Orpah. Sorry for the bad pigs, kind of blurry. Orpah says, all right, mom, love you. Give her a kiss and went back. And the language that Naomi says is Orpah went back to her gods and to her people. And Orpah's going back saying, saying, well, there's no husbandly benefit here, so I'm going to go back. And I'll go back to my gods. And I've heard about her gods. And I'm going back to my people. And she chose to go back. They both, all three ladies have been shaken. All three ladies had their husbands taken. Okay? And so they're grieving in some ways. 
And now they're departing from each other. And obviously there's a sentimentalness they have toward her. But they're, so everything's being shaken up and, and moved around. And here's a, well, stop for a second and just make this reflection for us. At some point in your life and in my life, we'll all have the opportunity to make a step of faith or to make a step of forsaking. At some point in each of our lives, we'll all have an opportunity like this to make a step. I'm going to continue on to the land where God is, the Lord is, to make a step of faith or to make a step of forsaking. All right, I'm going back. I'm defaulting back to my old ways, my old lines of thought, my old schedule, my old community. I'm going to default back. And a lot of times the difference is is the the way we processed an unexpected pain. It's an opportunity to make a step of faith or make a step of forsaking. And that's kind of the central thought that we're coming to for this first chapter right now. You see Orpah's choice. She goes back. We see Ruth's choice, and it's elaborated on. She goes forward. Here's what I want to do. I want to notice with the rest of our time with Ruth, I want you to see how Ruth shows her step of faith while she's uh, processing this loss. Ruth decides to have a step of faith, even though she has this unforeseen loss of her father-in-law, her husband, and her brother-in-law. She now she decides, I'm going to make a step of faith forward, Godward, and not go backward. Do you see that? By the way, here's what's happening. Orpah goes backward. Naomi goes inward. And Ruth goes Godward. And that's what you see happening. So I want to show you, I want to encourage us with three things. How we can uh, make a step of faith forward like Ruth does, even in hard times. How to make a step forward how to make a, a step of faith forward like Ruth, even in hard times. Here's what she does. Number one, first of all, like Ruth, we need to decide first and foremost to whom our faith is in in the first place. To whom is my faith even in at all? Sometimes you don't know what you're standing on until there's an earthquake. Sometimes you don't know if anything's stable. And some of us haven't been in earthquakes, but when something, you're like, what, what, what's stable? And when there's a relational earthquake or a health quake, you're like, what am I standing on faith-wise? So here's Ruth. She's been shaken up. She's been challenged now. She can go to a new land where there's evidence that this is the true God or stay here with the gods. And she decides to whom her faith is in right here and in this place. Ruth cleaves to her mother-in-law. And part of the things she says is at the end of verse 16, she makes a statement of personal faith. Thy God, my God. She's decided that this is her God, the God of Israel. The Lord, the Jehovah who was named in the text here. That's my God. She for herself, decided that the true God was her God. It wasn't, watch this, it wasn't just Ruth saying, oh, I like this godly mother-in-law. I admire her faith, such a saintly lady. I just want to stay with her. It wasn't merely that. It was like, wait a minute, her God is my God. 
her God. Do you know what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12? He said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him, which is a soul, against that day. Paul says, I'm, I know whom I have believed. You see, for us, whenever you're shaken up, this goes for every, whether you're a kid or a teenager or adult, whenever there's a shakeup, you say, if I, who is my faith in? Whom is the question? Sometimes we realize when things are shaken up, we had our faith in a creed. There's a lot of people that would be like, um, you know, I have my, there's a lot of people out there that, that believe in the creed that is the, the formal statement of faith of, of a Baptist church or even a Christian church. I believe that. Okay. But do you believe the God of this creed yourself? Do you believe the, the Savior that's enumerated in that creed? Some people have their faith in certain ideas. Some people have their faith in the church. You know, I like this church, and this is, this is what I like, and this is the good people. That's my type of people. But when you have a shakeup, or you have doubts, or you have, you have a tragedy, you're like, wait a minute. Or the church fails. Wait, whom have I believed? If I'm going to continue on in faith, i got to ask, am I, am I believing in the church? Am I believing in a true Savior that really lived and died and rose from the dead? Is that whom I, and do I have a personal relationship with him? Some people have their faith in a movement. Some people have their faith in a family heritage. They're trusting the heritage of their faith. They're trusting the heritage of a, 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 of a family that maybe is part of Christianity. And that's what they like. And that's what they identify with. But is their faith your faith? Every one of us needs to be personally converted. So here's Ruth. All right, so Ruth's, She's going on the road. She's with Naomi. Orpah's there. She's with them. And, and Naomi says, girls, i got nothing to offer you. Go back. You're not going to get a husband by me. Go back. No, 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 no. No, I mean it. You, it's, it's, it's not going to work. And Orpah goes, mwah, mwah, and goes. And Ruth's like, uh-uh. The Klingon, you know. She's the Klingon there to mom-in-law. And she tells Jesus she is steadfastly minded. She says, I love, what a great statement in verse 16. Entreat me not to leave thee. Do not tell me to leave you or to return from following thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God, where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord, she's naming God's personal name. Do so to me and more also of aught but death. Part me in thee. Notice chapter 2, verse 12. When Boaz, by the way, people knew she got converted. Boaz knew it when he finally met her, which is her future husband. Chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz compliments her, and he said to her, this Moabitess woman, the Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Other people knew she believed. Boaz knew it, and he complimented her on that. So here it is. When I, have, when I need to take a step of faith, I need to, when I'm challenged to take a step of faith, I need to ask, am I even trusting in God? Am I even saved? Am I a Christian? Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? When things are shaken up, like whom have I believed? Number two, like Ruth, we need to put ourselves with other people of faith. Put yourself with other people of faith. So here's a thing that I think is a, 
is still a positive, even though Naomi is, says she's bitter. Naomi is clearly showing that she believes in the Lord. She's naming the Lord. She's blessing the girls in the name of the Lord. She speaks of going back to the land because the Lord had visited his people. This is a still a woman of faith. It's just there's some, she's, she's um, in a tailspin. And what is Ruth doing? We can't ignore the fact that she says, I want to be with you. She says, your God is my God. But she says, I want to be loyal to you. I want to be with you. I want to be with your people. I want to die where you die. So here's the point. She's putting herself with other people of faith. She's going with this lady, who's who uh, Naomi, but she's also going to the people of faith in that land who now have gotten right with God because there's bread there. God bless them. She's going to be with those people right there. What is, Naomi, what is Ruth doing? She's, she's, she's surrounding herself with other people of faith. She saw value in Naomi and her people. Listen, one of the things that will affect you and I is who we're friends with. You know, a wise man, uh, he uh, will walk with, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. Evil communications corrupt good manners. The Bible talks about, um, you know, go not in the way of evil men. Proverbs chapter thing is two. The psalmist said, or the, the the writer says, "I want you to walk in the way of good men." It's good that we have fellowship. It's good that you be around other people of faith that sharpen you, and it's it, hopefully it's here. But even beyond that, have good. This this one thing I like about having a teen night. Even uh, having a teen night is a good thing because you teens get to be together, and Brother Carnes gets to pick on you a little bit, and. Uh, and you, but you get to mingle with one another and kind of keep each other courage in the things of faith. Now we're gonna, that's why we're going to peek in and listen on your conversations, make sure it's good, and check your phone and, and snoop around and stuff like that. But we're trying to keep you guys encouraged between each other. And uh, we have to manage that, of course, as parents and as a youth leader. But uh, put yourself around other people of faith. That's what Ruth does. So she's with her, and she's going into a land of people of faith. It's hard if you're going through a hard time to be solo. It's hard to be solo. And two, there's a, there's a, Ecclesiastes talks about, you know, if a person's alone and they fall, they have nobody to help bring them up. But if they're together with somebody, they can, they can be held up by somebody. Number three, here's what we see about Ruth. The third thing is Ruth stayed occupied in honorable things. As she made her step of faith, she made it to where she was declaring who she really believes. She was attaching herself with other people of faith. She was putting herself in an area where there's people who believe the Lord. But also, what was she doing? She was occupying herself, and not just in vain things, in being a busybody and gossiper and watching soap operas all day. She was occupying herself and taking care of her mother-in-law and going working in a field in a humble, welfare-like type of work. We'll get more into that. She stayed occupied in honorable things. She supported her, her mother-in-law in her presence and in her labor. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. I'm gonna, I really like this next chapter. Uh, the Bible says, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, um, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's and a mighty man of wealth of of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. That's basically saying there was a man who was qualified to take her as his wife, and he'll do that later. 
But it says in verse 2, Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, her mother-in-law, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She didn't know that any particular man she was going to meet. She just says, let me go do some gleaning and hopefully the, the field owner will allow me to do this. And she said, go, my daughter. She is taking initiative. She's staying occupied. She's staying diligent in, in honorable things. And notice what it says there. Look at the end of the book. This, this girl is no slacker. She's not twiddling her thumbs on her phone all day. She's doing something. Look at chapter 4, verse 15. Listen to the compliment that the, Naomi's friends give her. Naomi gets, has, Ruth sees Ruth married. Ruth has a baby, and now Naomi's home in the, holding this grandbaby and all excited about it. Chapter 4, verse 14, The women said unto Naomi, Grandma Naomi now, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be, look at verse 15, He shall be unto thee, her, her grandson, a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For, now watch this. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, <coughs> which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. That's quite a compliment to a woman. Whoa. The ladies said, you know, your daughter-in-law loves you. She's better to you than seven sons. Woo! And all the boys were like, what are you talking about? She can't dunk a basketball? No, no. That, that's a high compliment to say that, though. Better than se seven sons. Wow. So it's the idea. She proved good character. She occupied herself. And uh, she stayed Godward, looking Godward. <coughs> I don't know how all the details of how she processed her own widowhood. But this certainly helps. To make a declaration of faith is, Thy God is my God, and I'm going with you, and I'm occupying myself in something good, and I'm going to even help you, even though you're a widow just like me. You know, it's good sometimes if we're having a hard time on something. It's good to go help somebody else who's still having a hard time as well. I knew a pastor in Florida. He said, you know, there's a lady she's having a hard time. There was depression and stuff like that. And again, I'm not diminishing this. And he tried helping her and counseling her and helping her. And he did different things. And finally he says, you know what I need you to do? I want you to go to the hospital. First, make some cookies, get some flowers, and go visit. It's like a floor or maybe five or six rooms, give cookies, give flowers, whatever. It was something like that. I don't know if everybody could eat cookies in there, but she certainly gave flowers. He says, go do that. Well, okay. He sent her, and she visited some people in, the, in this hospital. Some of them were people that the pastor had uh, been uh, visiting himself. She visited each one of them, talked to them, prayed with them, and, and then when she came back and he visited and he dealt with her again, she goes, that really helped me. That really helped me seeing other people and praying with them. And some of them were about where I'm at and emotionally, and others were a lot worse than I am, and others were a lot worse than I am physically. But it helped me talking to them, you know. Um, it helps to just to interact with somebody. So here's this, here's this young lady, Ruth, we assume young lady. She's staying occupied in honorable things. She gets this compliment, and soon she'll be meeting her Redeemer, <laughs> Her relational, in that sense, a husband. And what a beautiful story that is. We'll look at that in the days ahead.